Well, good evening, High Point. Welcome to our new summer series, Meet the Shepherds. I'm Glenn Vanderpool, and this is my wife, Marcia. Uh, we are sitting in front of one of the VBS uh, uh, sets. And don't forget that VBS is going to be July 19th through the 24th. Uh, tonight we are planning to give you a brief history of Marcia and I and a little bit about our faith walk. And we're also going to give you a guaranteed smile at the end. So first of all, let's welcome some of the people that have joined already this, this uh, evening. We noticed that that looks like Carrie King is already here. Thank you, daughter, for supporting me. Uh, Paula Austin, Brenda Wobble, appreciate that. Uh, Clarice Hudson, Talia, thank you, Talia, for coming in today. Shonda and Steve. Uh, Chandra, obviously. Shonda and Steve. Shonda and Steve, the Jameses, Kathy, uh, Tim and Nancy, and Teresa Wiley, Jill Cox, Larry Seal, thanks for being here. Uh, looks like we got a lot of people coming in. That way we can be embarrassed with a bunch of people. <laughs> so what we're going to do then is is go ahead and start with Marsha, I think, that can give a little bit of her history, and then I will take over from there. Okay, guys. Uh, Glenn and I have been married 49 years. We got married way, way young. Um, we have three children. Two girls, Carrie and Amy, and I'll try not to cry, <laughs> and I don't know why. Um, Carrie and Amy go to church here, along with their husbands, Dennis and Terry. Craig, our son, lives in Washington, D.C. We have five grandchildren, four girls, and one boy. They are Tyler, Katie, Mackenzie, Samantha, and Carissa. I was born in San Jose, California. We moved to Colorado when I was like six weeks old. We have lived in Blanding, Utah, Cortez, Colorado, and we moved back to Montrose, where my parents are from when I was in the fourth grade. Um, both sets of my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and my cousins lived there. My mother had, um, there were five girls in my mother's family, and there were 13 children in my dad's family. So we had big families all around us. Um, so that's the stats of my life. Uh, looking in the rearview mirror of my life, I see where God has sent people into my life to teach me and to help me walk the path that he has chosen for me, to make me the person I am today. It starts with my family. I had an aunt, my Aunt Midge. She was on my mom's side, and she was the kind of Christian woman I strive to be to today. She trusted God completely. When trouble came, she would smile and say, God will take care of it. She was always contented and happy. You could see it in her eyes. They had a sparkle to them. She was always at peace. I was raised in, a, in the Christian church. My mother and grandmother would take me every Sunday. My father was in mining. So he was at the mines all the time. It was 24-7. Um, I was baptized at 12 by our minister, Mr. Mack. Mr. Mack was a strong influence on my, my life. Um, he was the kind of preacher that got involved in the community. 
he announced all broad, he announced and broadcast all the games at the high school, and he was everywhere. Um, and so he had to be good because Mr. Mack was there. I met Glenn when I was 14. Okay, she was going to be 15 in four months, okay? It wasn't <laughs> as bad as it sounds. It was August before my freshman year in high school. My best friend introduced us. I was not allowed to date, so we had to go with other kids. I tell my kids that Glenn was my first and only rebellion. <laughs> I was the youngest of four girls, and my dad had plans for my life. And those plans did not include Glenn. Um, we dated all through high school. We got married in Wichita Falls, Texas. Glenn was in the Air Force, and we got married on the chapel on base. I, have, I had never been to Texas before then, and I never dreamed that I would live in Texas later on. We then moved to San Bernardino, California, Norton Air Force Base. I still had aunts and uncles and cousins close by. We had friends from the military, and Glenn and I weren't going to church. After we had Carrie, we visited the Church of Christ, but didn't go but once. Glenn got orders for Japan. The plan was I would go to Montrose and stay with my folks till Glenn got base housing. Glenn left in January. It was the first time we had been apart. At the end of February, Glenn called and told me he had got a house off base and, I would, and would be sending me tickets. I was 19. I arrived in Japan in the winter. I have never known such cold. The air seemed to go right through you. Our house was what they called a rice paddy house. We could only run the water heater for so many hours in the day. So you would bathe, wash clothes, and wash the dishes during that time. There was a 50-gallon drum, like an oil drum, in the middle of our living room. You would have the heating oil drip into, the, into it, and you would throw a match into it, and it would light a fire, and it would radiate heat. Very, very safe. <clears throat> and it was new for me because I was from the generation where you went to the wall and turned up or down the heat. We lived off base a year. This was the first time I was truly away from my family. I got pretty homesick, and Carrie was just a baby. We used to bring her to bed with us to keep her warm. Our neighbors were college Japanese students. Glenn worked shift work. He'd work one month days, one month swings, and one month graves. And this was during the Vietnam War. So the guys didn't wear their uniforms off base, only to and from work. So our neighbors didn't realize that Glenn was a GI. They would play with Carrie. They loved to play with her because she was fair-skinned and had light hair. And they were fascinated with that. We had a language barrier, but one day Glenn came home from work in his uniform. After that, they didn't acknowledge us. We finally got base housing. I had normal heat and hot water. What a luxury. And we promised we would never forget what a luxury that is, but I can tell you, I've forgotten. 
I take it for granted now. By this time, I was really feeling like we had to go to church. The chapel on base only offered communion once a month. That was a killer for me. There was such a, there was a church off base and it was called the Yakota Church of Christ. I visited it. I realized it was pretty normal for a Church of Christ. It had about 25 members and Lee Bulls, a missionary there, would do the sermons and teach the classes. Glenn started going with me. It was a life-changing experience. The missionaries there had a profound influence on me. They taught me so much. They taught me to accept people where they are at in their spiritual walk. To study the scripture, to learn God's word, not to prove a point. To accept God's grace. I am still working on all of these, but I truly saw it in action through the missionaries. Ruth and Joe Betts was there, and they would have me teach English um, in Ochenamizu, and I think it was before Let's Start Talking or Friends Speak started, and we used the Bible. I would like to tell you that when we came home, we had our spiritual life in order, but that's just not true. We, st we struggled with stateside churches. When Glenn got out of the military, we moved to Grand Junction, where Glenn finished up his college. He got a job for the city of Farmington as a computer programmer, and that was in New Mexico. I wanted to stay by my folks. I had traveled the world with him, and I was ready to be home. But we went. The church there, Northside Church of Christ, had between 100 to 150 members. We didn't attend regularly. When we had Amy and Craig, we realized we needed to make a commitment to God. We started going regularly and started learning to lean on other Christians. They helped us through raising our kids and with all the ups and downs of life. We developed good friends. My dreams from High Point are that we treat each other as family. That we try to daily do as Christ did with his apostles. To truly get to know each other to let our walls down and to let people know us. Take the time to be good with friends and accept people for where they are. Study the word together, open our homes and our hearts. Thank you, Marcia. <laughs> Let's look at a couple of other people that have joined. Obviously, we've got David Satterfield, uh, Debbie Connors. Thank you, Debbie, for attending. Uh, Wilma Rivera, thank you, Wilma. Wilmer, I mean, excuse me, Laura Cantwell, thank you very much, Ken Dunlap, Nancy Hickman, uh, Middlebrook, excuse me, Ed All, thank you, Ed, uh, enjoyed your breakfast this morning with you, uh, Shonda, uh, nice seeing you this afternoon also as well, it seems like every time I meet people, they're, we're eating, but that's okay, it works, <laughs> um, and then let's see, what else we got, uh, Randy Asher and Diane Newhouse. So we've got several people coming in. So I guess at this point, it's my turn to give you a little bit of history about myself. Uh, great job, Marcia. Thank you. I was born and raised in Montrose, Colorado, a small town in western Colorado. Hunting, fishing, and skiing was the big part of my life, other than my wife, of course. <laughs> it was very common to keep your guns in your car while you went to school. Timeshare have changed since then. We would hunt elk, deer, pheasants, duck, and bottles and cans when everything else was out of season. 
I have one sister that lives in Montana and a brother that died of leukemia at age 26. As Marsha mentioned uh, earlier, we were blessed with three children, two wonderful girls attending High Point and one son in Washington, D.C. We have five grandchildren ranging from the age of 30 uh, down to 12 years old. So we have a wide range uh, in our family. Uh, a little bit about my father. Uh, I learned a lot from my father. He was an amputee that lost his leg in World War II. He did not let this challenge deter him in any way. He was an avid hunter and fisherman. He taught me so many uh, things, including patience. He was a very patient and humble man. He was always willing to show me how to fix things and handle any challenge. My mother taught me to be a servant to others. From an early age, she made sure that I would open doors for others and be conscious about others around me that may need help. However, mom was the disciplinarian in our family. About, a little bit about my faith walk. While growing up, I attended Montrose Church of Christ, as Marcia mentioned. I was baptized in the Colorado Creek at summer camp when I was in the sixth grade. When I was a teenager, unfortunately I rebelled, but not against God, but against the church. I guess I did live up to the reputation of those wild Church of Christ boys. Even though I thought I would never attend church again, God had a plan for me. God has intervened so many times in my life, and most of those I didn't realize he was going to do that. The big first intervention came when I met Marsha. I was headed down a bad path because it was the late 60s, you know. And, and she helped me get my head on straight. The second major intervention was when I won the lottery. Unfortunately, it was the selective service lottery and I was third in the nation and first in our county. Uncle Sam had me hook, line, and sinker. My brother encouraged me to join the Air Force, while my sister had contacts to get me to Canada. Again, it was the late 60s, early 70s. I joined the Air Force and served for five years. I truly believe if I would have attended college at that time, I would have been, it would have been very detrimental to my faith walk. Again, it was the late 60s and 70s. The third major intervention came when I had orders to Vietnam and President Nixon came out and declared that he would not send any more new troops to Vietnam so my orders were uh, redirected to Japan. This was probably the most significant intervention since I could now take Marsha and Carrie with me to Japan. As Marsha mentioned earlier, this is where we found God through the missionaries and the wonderful people at Yokota Air Base Church of Christ. I always tell people I was baptized at 12, but I found God at 22. The fourth major intervention came while I was in Japan. I always knew I needed to get back to college and get that degree and need to take college classes at night. My first class I took was business programming, which was the only class that would accommodate my work schedule. Because of that class, I pursued my degree and career in information technology. The fifth intervention came when I left the Air Force and tried to get a job in Colorado without any luck. 
I took a job in Farmington, New Mexico that was three hours away from Montrose, which was probably for the best since we were not influenced by old friends and family. Farmington was a great place to raise our kids. There we attended Northside Church of Christ and served as, I served as finance deacon for several years. While at Northside, Marsha and I taught Sunday school and for two years were, were in charge of the teens since we did not have a youth minister. The sixth major intervention came when I had to find new employment due to an acquisition. I started a new job that required me to travel a lot and the company wanted me to move to a major airport in the western United States. At that time, Carrie was in Washington, D.C., Amy was in Oklahoma, and our son Craig was still attending New Mexico State University in Las Cruces. So we decided on Dallas area for easy access to our kids. So in 2000, we moved to McKinney, Texas. When we came, let's see, the seventh intervention is when we came, we started attending High Point that was meeting in the middle school at that time with the love of so many people like John and Sherry Myers, John and Linda Robinson, and Linda All, Don and Chris Anderson, Marsha and I got plugged into High Point. Marsha and I have led small groups, taught Sunday school, was over the greeting and new members at one time. We really enjoyed starting the mother and son and father-daughter banquets. But with each of these crossroads in my life, most of those I thought were going to be horrible instances that God was in control. And he knew that that's the path we had to take to get where we are today. My vision here for High Point really has already been accomplished. Uh, it's not the new building project or the number of people attending, but rather the love, the kindness, and the family atmosphere we have here at High Point. Some of my favorite verses, I'd like to share those just briefly here. Uh, the first one is Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I am a warrior, and I know several people out there are warriors as well. I do struggle with that. I have to keep reading this over and over again to know that just chill out, be still, that God is in control. My second one I like is Joshua 24.15. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's a good way for me to remember that is that that is my goal in my life. It gives me a foundation and, and a purpose uh, within my life. And then the last one is Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So that really does conclude our history lesson. And now for that smile that I promised you earlier. So if you notice, I do have a box here. And in my box, this is what I was thinking box. But before we open this box, we want to give a couple of shout outs here to some people that, that came in. Uh, matter of fact, Linda Robinson, we appreciate uh, you and what you've, you and Don uh, have done for us over the years. Sherry Hansen. Sherry Hansen. Brenda Wobble. Diane Newhouse. So there's a lot of people coming in, and I appreciate you spending time with us today. But now, back to the box. <laughs> this box was given to me by my children. As we sit around the table all the time, we always tell stories of what's happened in our past. And one day the kids said, you know, you need to write some of those down. And so what they did, they gave me a box, and I had to write down, as I remember things, some of the things that I've done that maybe not was the smartest thing to do in my life. <laughs> 
And God uh, took care of him. And God did <laughs> intervene there as well, as you will see here in just a minute. So I randomly got a bunch of these in here that I've been saving. So I'm going to open up my what was I thinking box. And we'll just start out with a couple. Looks like we got about nine minutes to go. So I'm going to go ahead and... As you notice, I got a bunch of them, unfortunately. Uh, let's just start with one here. This one I've got titled, God's in Control and a Country Song. On a snowy day, coming back from Christmas shopping trip from Albuquerque on a hilly, two-lane, icy road, I was having trouble keeping the car on the road. As you know, you have to speed up on the downhill to have enough speed to make it up the other side without spinning out. When we crested the top of the hill, we spotted two semi-trucks stopped on the road. One was in my lane and the other was in the other opposite lane. I knew I could not stop in time, so I decided to bail off the road and try to get around the truck on the right shoulder. As I turned the car, it started to fishtail and I was sliding broadside towards the back of the semi. I corrected the skid at the last second and drove between the two trucks without a scratch. I know God was in charge that night, for we would not be here today if it wasn't for that. I know there are several scriptures encouraging us to give God control, and there's even a country song called Jesus Take the Wheel. <laughs> All right, so that's the first one. Let's see what else we got in our magic box. Oh, this one is titled, Evil Knievel, I Am Not. I was on my dirt bike enjoying uh, the good, a good afternoon ride in the hills when I decided to go and I, where I was going to jump this small wash just like in the movies. Let's just say that it did not go well. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> How about the title of this one is called Puff. Again, this has to do with my driving <laughs> on winter roads. The family was driving over Red Mountain, which is the million dollar highway, on a winter's night to visit grandparents for Christmas. We entered the tunnel and realized that the exit to the tunnel was blocked by a three foot tall mound of snow that had fallen onto the road. Instead of stopping to examine the blocked road, I decided to speed up and plow through that snowbank. When I hit the snow, puff. It completely covered the front of the van and, I was bl and it blinded me from seeing the road. The windshield wipers could not handle that amount of snow, forcing me to stick my head out the window to see if we were gonna go and drive off the mountain. It never occurred to me until Marcia brought it to my attention later that there could have been boulders and rocks in that snowbank. What was I thinking? This one's just titled, Just Fallen for Christmas. While I was hanging Christmas lights on the roof, I thought I could lay down on the roof and reach over the edge to hang the last section of lights. Unfortunately, I reached over too far and fell off the roof onto my back, knocking the breath out of me. I don't have a scripture for that one. <laughs> this is not that old. The world according to Samantha. Our granddaughter quoted, hey, Papa, Remember the, when you almost killed me? <laughs> I was kayaking with Samantha when the current forced the kayak into a swift area in the river that had a fallen tree in it. Here I was trying to keep the kayak, the paddle, and Samantha all above the water and not to be sucked under the, the tree. Luckily, Amy came over and took Sam from me so that I could get the kayak out. In hindsight, 
I should have let the kayak go and just worry about Sam. So sorry about that, Samantha. Oh, this, no, we're not gonna do that one. These are making me look bad enough as it is. How about in the creek without a paddle? Again, another one of my driving experiences. One spring day, our family decided to go take our minivan and take a drive into the mountains. One of the places uh, I'd like to go was in the Hesperus Mountains, which was part of the San Juan Mountain Range in Colorado, which was just a short distance from where we lived. We decided to take the road that went up to an old ghost town. Admittedly, the road was a stretch for the minivan in places, and I should have taken the Bronco, but I was going to take it slow. One of the spots that normally would not have given me trouble was a creek that crossed the road with, with a 30-foot drop on the other side. Well, since it was spring, and the runoff was exceptionally high and the creek was flowing deep and fast, I decided that we could make it if I just went fast enough. Unfortunately, the van got stuck halfway through the creek. The water started coming into the van and we were afraid we were going to be washed off the cliff. Luckily, a Jeep came along and winched us out. Now that's my side of it. There's a lot of things that Marcia said about that particular <laughs> endeavor. I've got just a few more minutes here. <laughs> Just the bare facts. When I was 12, my father and I went, went scat out some land that we were going to, to do deer hunting in the next week. As we were walking down the jeep trail into this canyon, my father noticed that we scared up a bear that was going up the other side of the draw. I had my 22 with me, and he said, uh, just shoot over that bear to scare it off. There was probably around 100 yards away, so I aimed over the bear, but unfortunately, I did not aim high enough and it hit the bear, making him quite angry. My dad, who never gets excited, said, we better get out of here in a very nervous voice. <laughs> Keep in mind, he was an amputee and he could not run. <laughs> Couple minutes and we'll say a quick prayer. Riding cowboy. I was in the third grade when, when I had a great idea that I could play cowboy roping, by roping the picket fence in front of our house. The fence was about a four-foot picket fence and was next to the sidewalk. I tried several times to speed by on my bike and tried to rope the picket to show off my cowboy skills. Well, after several attempts, I finally did catch the picket, which in turn jerked me off the bike and into the fence. It took years to get all the paint out of my chin, and I still have the scar <laughs> from this endeavor. I really could not find a scripture for this one except about foolishness of youth. <laughs> and I think we need just about time to probably say a prayer. I got one more here. I have to say this, the kids made sure I have to say this one. This is what I call the mouse incident. We had a mouse that decided to take up residence in our house and Carrie was going, was not going to go to sleep until I got rid of the mouse. Being the alpha male and the great hunter, I grabbed my son's BB gun and went into Carrie's small bathroom and shut the door waiting for the mouse to reappear from its hole. When the mouse reappeared, I waited till he was out of the hole as not to have him die inside the wall. Well, I missed him with the first, uh, with the first shot and that BB ricocheted all over that bathroom. As it was going around, that, around me, all I could think about is Christmas story and how I was going to explain to Marcia that I shot my eye out. For the avid hunters out there, I did kill the mouse on the second shot. 
Years later, I questioned the sound judgment of the second shot, knowing the outcome of the first shot. So there is what was I thinking box. I have many, many more if you all want to uh, ask me about them. But I think we just got just a few minutes here to uh, say goodbye to some folks. Looks like I think we've covered everybody. So let's just go ahead and say a quick prayer. Uh, don't forget to tell them about the video after we're finished. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Thank you. Uh, Robin, we're going to show Robin's uh, farewell video after this video. So please stay on for that for those people that were not here uh, Sunday morning to hear Robin. So at this point then, let's go ahead and say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Most Gracious Father, again, we just thank you for all of the blessings that you have blessed us our whole life. Many of those that we have no idea that you did. Thank you for stepping into our lives to take control of us, even though we did not ask you to take control at times. But we all know that we need your help. We need you to intervene on our part. Lord, we have so many people that are hurting. We have people that, are, that have cancer, that are sick, that are homeless. We just ask you to take the uh, cancer victims and get them well. Be with the caregivers so that uh, give them some peace. And Lord, we just thank you so much for the members here at High Point. We ask you that, that we all just keep loving each other. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Seven o'clock right on the money. Has been a place of growth and discovery for our family for the last four years. Through all the ups and downs, God has remained faithful, and we have been honored to share so many experiences with you all. Now, when when Steph and I married, we vowed we would always say yes to God, and God has given us a kingdom opportunity that we simply cannot refuse. So as Joshua 24, 15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when I say we, I mean all of us. I have accepted the role of worship and community engagement minister at White Station Church of Christ, as well as middle school choir director for Harding Academy in Memphis, Tennessee. Also, Steph has been asked to be the school nurse at Harding Academy and our, our, our children will attend there. This will put us near our beloved family again, just three and a half hours from Nashville where Steph's uh, parents and her siblings live, and two and a half hours to Searcy, Arkansas, where our oldest daughter and her husband, Gabby and Dakota, live. It will give us a wonderful opportunity to use many of the gifts God has given us to advance his kingdom. So that being said, our last Sunday here will be July 11th, and our first Sunday there will be August 1st. My challenge to you is that you grow, find ways to grow, connect, and serve so that God's kingdom will thrive here in McKinney and all over the world. Live a life of worship. A life that honors Jesus and tells his story. A spirit-led life in which there is no denying that you belong to God. My prayer is that we all glorify the Lord, edify the church, and sanctify the world in everything we do. Jesus loves you.
We love you. So be good to yourself. Be good to your family. Be good to your friends. Be good to your enemies. And be good to each other.